At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder's from the Chicago Tribune covering the Bears. And we are in the midst of the offseason. Big news today, Dan, Caleb Williams has declared for the NFL draft. He did that on Monday. Obviously, it's a big story in Chicago for obvious reasons. I thought his statement, which he posted on Instagram, was uh, more reflective than maybe people expected, but I think it reflected a, a young man who seems to be maturing and has always wanted to be an NFL quarterback. And if you're starting to check off the boxes and Ryan Poles is looking for at the human being, this was a pretty human announcement for Caleb Williams. 
Yeah, well, look, one Instagram post is not going to get you to the bottom of <laughs> a human being. As, as, as much as it may seem in today's world that that is the, the true mirror into someone's soul, uh, there's a lot more to it and a lot more homework that needs to come. I have a feeling this is not going to be the first time or the last time that we talk about Caleb Williams here. Uh, if my calculations are correct, as we record this here on January 16th, we are 100 days from the NFL draft. And I have a feeling over those next 100 days, David, that this conversation is going to take a lot of twists and turns and it's going to have a lot of layers to it because I think some of this, and particularly as it relates to Ryan Poles and the Chicago Bears, is sorting fact from fiction on who Caleb Williams is as a quarterback, who he is as a person, and then trying to figure out whether it makes sense to marry him up with your organization with the hopes of ultimately trying to win championships, multiple plural. Yeah, I think that will be the case. There's a lot of work to be done. I, I do think that from a football perspective, the debate is pretty easily decided. And because you look at and you look at the uh, body of work, if you will, and you also hear from the people evaluating talent for a living. And from a football perspective, there's a lot to like, and there's a there's a reason why you know people have been waiting for him to come out in the draft. The other stuff, we'll wait and see. Character. Um, is, is a big factor, and um, you're right. There's 100 days until the draft. Wow, yeah. <laughs> it seems like it's going to uh, drag on. But I do think this before we get to some of the opinions, and we're going to talk about Caleb Williams today. We're going to talk about the offensive coordinator search. We're going to talk about what happened over the weekend in the Super Wild Card yeah. uh, round of the NFL playoffs. When you watched that first round of the NFL playoffs, as I said on the Mullen Haas show, I think it, you came away convinced that when you have elite quarterback talent, you have a chance. And the Bears are at the doorstep of having that. And they're plopping a first-year starter uh, onto a team with a ready-made defense. And you could get excited about next season, even with the Lions and the Packers <laughs> still doing special things this season. Yeah, I mean, look, like there was this line of thinking two months ago that because really good quarterbacks sometimes struggle, it means that struggling quarterbacks are destined to be really good. And I think what we have seen uh, in this first set of playoff games in the, the wild card round is that good quarterback play is just different. You watch Josh Allen take apart the Pittsburgh Steelers. You watched C.J. Stroud on Saturday evening take the Texans to levels that 11 months ago would have been unimaginable. You watch Jordan Love destroy the Green Bay Packers in a way that was surgical, methodical, and didn't have to do a lot. But what he did do was <laughs> make big plays. And you just see that this is the engine here. You know, now look, like a quarterback needs support. It needs a supporting cast, needs a good uh, offensive line, needs a, a play caller that that is, is on the same page and can marry those things up. Um, but I like – People are trying to trick themselves into different psychologies here to make themselves feel better about their own desired outcome. This is a quarterback-driven league where the best quarterbacks are consistently going to be the ones chasing the championships year after year after year. And it's no coincidence that Patrick Mahomes and, and Josh Allen will meet up again in the playoffs uh, this coming week for what is certainly seeming like it's shaping up to be kind of a, uh, a Brady Manning, like, uh, you know, frequent January reunion tour. So I think it was, we were kind of kidding about, you know, the, the fact that the, the Instagram post by Caleb Williams <laughs> uh, humanized him, because I think that's almost like the, the, the minimum bar that he needs to clear. But I do think it, it bears repeating, or at least looking at, there were a couple of things that I think were, I don't know if you want to say myths dispelled, but he did say that he would be honored to play uh, for the Bears. He did say that he was, you know, wanted to be able to um, 
he didn't say anything in there to reinforce some of these myths that have been perpetuated about he wouldn't play for the Bears. He was going to go back to USC. Any of that, any of the language that he used to announce in his announcement stand out to you, Dan, or is relevant or worth pointing out? Well, no, look, like I, I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase this um, for an open-minded audience that has to go along for the ride here in these next 100 days and understand that we're going to be in the Chicago audience consistently learning more about who Caleb Williams is and who he isn't. What drives me insane, as you well know, as as my friend David, is that is that this stuff on social media that, that concocted realities that people – make up and then spread and then use as as you know the 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 basis of their evidence for why uh one decision should be made or why one decision shouldn't be made it's mind-numbing it is insane and it's only going to amplify and get worse over the next 100 days i think what we need to uh learn more about caleb williams is how do his teammates feel about him how have they felt about him in his last several stops in his last several teams uh what is it that motivates him? Now, look, like I, I wrote that piece in week 18 about uh, some of the concerns that people in the league are looking into as they do their homework on Caleb Williams about what is his driving force? Does he want to be a celebrity or does he want to be one of the best NFL quarterbacks to ever play the game? That's a, a very big distinction that that changes a lot of uh, a person's mindset, depending on what they're actually chasing. NFL teams have to get get their, their, their mind around that. What are the circles around Caleb Williams like? Inner circle, medium circle, outer circle. You know, you got to get get a feel for, for how those impact and influence some of the decisions he makes. I think I've referenced to you previously that you talked to a lot of people around the league and Carl Williams' name comes up often. It's something that people are trying to get a feel for. How involved is he going to be when Caleb Williams is a professional football player and how uh, driven is he to to use Caleb as a marketing tool as opposed to just letting all that stuff kind of take care of itself after he's had a high level of success in the NFL, which, by the way, all talent evaluators believe is still on the table. And I think that's one of those things. Um, well, there's a lot there. I'll let you unpack that. And then I'll say a little bit about who I think Caleb Williams, the player is. That is the box that's the easiest to check as we go forward. Yeah, I think you're right. There's a lot of that work to be done. Absolutely. But I think you have to start at at some point. And I think the starting point is uh, is the most important point when you're talking about the National Football League. You need the talent and you need to have this rare ability that makes all the effort in trying to dig into who the person is worth it. You're you're spending this time and devoting the next uh, few months into exploring what his character is all about. Because you feel like if that checks out, you're about to draft a player that's going to change the course of your future over the next decade. And that's not an exaggeration. I tend to be uh, bristle when people say, well, you know, who's going to be your left tackle for the next 10 years? Or who's going to be your running back for the next 8, 10 Rex years? and Jones and then a guy yeah. after him and then two guys after that. Yeah, you know, I, I always think we overstay and overshoot when we're projecting out. But when you're talking about a quarterback – I don't think that you can exaggerate that. Look at here, we're 2024. Patrick Mahomes came into the league in 2017. He started playing in 2018. He's going to be a quarterback for a decade before you know it, and he's still going to be playing at a high level. Caleb Williams can be that guy as a player. And I think that when you hear from guys like Mel Kuyper, let's take Mel Kuyper first for uh, an example. He does this for a living. He is ESPN's draft guru. Caleb Williams is number one on his board and once Caleb Williams declared for the NFL draft, this is what Mel Kuyper had to say about that talent we're talking about. 
But when I came to the conclusion after going back and studying Caleb Williams, that's the guy to take. I would go Caleb Williams, sensational quarterback two years ago. Great early this year. Then he had some issues from Roy, that Arizona game, the Notre Dame game on. But bottom line is when you study the overall body of work field and the ability of him with his arm talent and the way he sees the field and how instinctive he is as a quarterback, to me, we say, well, it's an unknown with Caleb Williams, people say. It's a known with Justin Fields. No, it's not. It's an unknown whether Justin Fields can be franchised. So, sure, it's an unknown with Caleb. It's also an unknown with Justin. So, I'm going to reset the clock. I'm taking Caleb Williams number one overall. Makes a lot of sense, Dan. No question. And I talked to uh, Mel's uh colleague Jordan Reed from ESPN and there's a story up at chicagotribune.com off a, a conversation we had a couple weeks ago about why Caleb has been the top quarterback prospect on his board for a long time and it is about some of those things that Mel talked about it's it's the vision it's the feel for the game it's the understanding inside the pocket on how to move around and and create throwing lanes and and and, and you know make those big plays now there will be a lot of research to be done on why he is number one, so dynamic as an improv- improvisational playmaker, but whether that has created some bad habits in college where it's become a crutch for him to, uh, Oh, I'm in a little bit of trouble in the pocket. I'm going to escape because I know I can be a high level playmaker out here. And so how can you rein that in? If you're an NFL team trying to get him to play within structure, but I, I reflect on all the conversations I've had with people around the league over the last month. Um, one in particular, David, a couple weeks ago, an AFC executive said to me that he went in uh, last summer to the Caleb Williams tape with a skeptical eye expecting to roll his eyes and go, this kid's been overhyped. And he said, he came out of there thinking just the opposite. He described the tape as quote unquote, beautiful, that, that, that there's just things on here that scream high level NFL talent. And so you don't find anyone in the league that's saying, Oh my God, there's, you know, nobody's going to tell you he's a flawless prospect, but no one's going to tell you, Oh my God, this is a major risk in terms of who he is as a football player. Everyone's saying, where does the line start to get him? And the line starts behind Ryan Poles. And if Ryan right. Poles decides to yeah. sell his spot in line, then that's up to him for, for whatever reasons he decides to, to make that decision. But right now, that dude that runs the show at Hallis Hall is standing first in line for a quarterback prospect that everyone in the, around the league agrees that from a talent standpoint is head and shoulders above this current draft class and head and shoulders above many draft class in the years past. And I know the obvious counter argument is, well, how many times have the experts been wrong? Fine. That that's true. That's great. But what are you going to do? Just keep getting out of line because you're never going to have a hundred percent sure thing sitting in front of you. Yeah. There's no such thing as a sure thing. And there are questions to be answered about, well, it comes up a lot. He, he struggled against, uh, uh, good defenses, and he excelled against bad defenses in college. And we'll wait and see. Also, speaking of Mel Kuyper, I did want to get your opinion on this. He, we respect him highly as a talent evaluator because he has a track record to back that up. I don't know if he would be my first choice as personnel guy based on his opinion that Justin Fields could draw the Bears the eighth overall pick as he projected uh, in that same podcast on, on ESPN. I believe that that seems to be a bit high. You know, he referenced the Falcons at number eight as a somewhere that could maybe a uh, team that would be interested in, in Justin Fields and giving up the eighth overall selection for a quarterback that in Mel's words even had yet to really uh, arrive. I just wondered if that was <laughs> – if, if the Bears got a second-round pick for Justin Fields, I think they would be, be, be thrilled for that. 
Yeah, no, and that was incongruent with with Mel saying in the clip you just played that Justin hasn't proven that he can be a franchise quarterback and then saying that some team in the top 10 of this year's draft is going to give away that top 10 pick to race to get him. There's a couple dynamics in that conversation that need to be stressed. Number one, we talk about Caleb Williams, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., uh, Jaden Daniels. Um, you, you know, there, there is a, a quarterback crop here that appeals to a lot of NFL teams here. A lot of those teams are going to try to see if they can land a rookie quarterback in the draft before they pivot and say, let me get another team's cast off here to come in and fill my hole. Right. And so that, that's something that you're going to have to to keep tabs on. This, the other part of this is like when we start linking up teams that don't have coaches with picks that they're going to trade away, it gets a little bit dicey. I mean, Bill Belichick interviewed with the Atlanta Falcons this week. Do we know what he thinks of Justin Fields? Is he really ready to, to give away the number eight pick in his first draft as the, as the Atlanta Falcons coach, if he becomes the Atlanta Falcons coach, to go make that trade and, and uh, after coaching Tom Brady for two decades, suddenly say that this is the guy that I want to use the number eight pick on to, to build on going forward? So anyway, that, that's just an entry point to say, like, there is just going to be so much speculative rumor flying around here in the next 100 days that we just got to be really careful about understanding what's real and what's not. It's not going to be easy right now. I don't think it's real in NFL circles that Justin Fields is going to net a top 10 pick from any team that's looking to get a quarterback. Well put before we move on to the offensive coordinator search and some other things, uh, anything else about the quarterback situation? No, I mean, like, I guess my, we can re-echo this sentiment for months, but like, the Bears are in an ideal situation here. They're, right. they're, they're, they're first in line in a quarterback draft that has a prospect that people are drooling to at least further research. You know what I mean? And they, there's just a weird, weird backlash on social media about how good of an opportunity that is. And it's just an undeniable opportunity. Um, that, and, and I don't know what your sentiment is after talking to a lot of people over the last couple of weeks in terms of the, the level of opportunity that's here and, and, and how – strange it is for a city that has dreamed of an opportunity like this for decades to suddenly be very averse to this said opportunity that is sitting right in front of that. I think, yeah, I think people uh, understand that. And I think they are arguing over which quarterback uh, to keep, but maybe that's going to be muted a little bit in, in, in the weeks to come as, as the consensus, I think, becomes even more obvious and louder about Caleb Williams. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I did kind of related to that, though. I did. I found myself thinking out loud on on, on the air on Tuesday morning, which can be a dangerous thing to do. Um, it's such a good situation that I, I wondered if the Bears, if Kevin Warren, if Ryan Poles, if the McCaskies, like took a step back after Wednesday's proceedings and they looked at it this and as things developed, they got further away from that day. Like somebody said in the room, hey, what are we doing? Why are we, we have this rare opportunity. You're going to draft a quarterback first overall. You've got a defense that's ready to win now. And with due respect to Matt Eberflus and, and what he is and represents as a head coach, you have an unprecedented field of qualified head coaching candidates available. And, it, you know, on Monday, the, the Los Angeles Chargers tweeted, we have interviewed Jim Harbaugh. The Atlanta Falcons, in a remarkable tweet, one of the highlights of the of X ever, we have interviewed Bill Belichick. <laughs> you have Mike Vrabel available. You have Pete Carroll available. Mike Tomlin stormed away from the podium after the Steelers lost to the Bills because somebody asked him about his contract, leaving his future uh, in doubt and a source of speculation. There, I've just named five guys that, with all due respect to Matt Eberflus, would be clear-cut upgrades at the head coaching position at a time in your history, at a juncture in your development where it is a huge, huge opportunity. And I just wonder, has anybody said that, okay, are we are we sure about this? Now, I guess Tomlin did come back later and say he wanted to coach the Steelers in 2024. But even without the inclusion of Mike Tomlin, you've got people out there that I, I wonder why the Bears did what they did with each day that 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 passes. Ben Johnson just led the Lions to a playoff victory on on Sunday night. Is getting ready to host another playoff game, two home playoff games in, in Motown in less, the same less, calendar month. Less proven, but good good point. I mean, you're right. Yeah, offensive-minded young guy. Yeah. Offensive-minded young guy who, who who's drawn a lot of raves around the league and is, and is going to get a lot of activity here in terms of people interviewing him. It's, it's a question that's going to be asked for years, and it has to be asked for years. I started asking this question after Ryan Poles initially hired Matt Eberflus because I still – two years into this can't understand the um, full hearted union between those two guys. I, I, it, 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 it doesn't match in my head in terms of the, the two guys I know and, and what, what Ryan's about and, and what Matt is. So the question is worth asking until the bears either have high level success or high level failure that causes them to, to move in another direction without question. It's it, these decisions come up all the time. It's a high stakes game of poker that they're playing. I think they considered all these things. I think that's why the, the decision last week dragged into uh, Wednesday morning. I think it's, it's why there has been consistent dialogue and back and forth inside that building, but they have made this decision. And now the most important thing they can do from here is figure out who their core coordinators are going to be right because that's going right. to be the next um you know 
spare part that you add into your car that tries to push you toward a championship. And, and that's a huge hire here, right? And it's a different kind of hire than the ones you just named. It's a hire that you have to really take seriously, and it's going to be uh, very instrumental in the direction of this team. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it just seems to me incongruous to have a team president speak with such ambitious ambition and, and lofty goals and rhetoric and then turn around and embrace the status quo at the most important, you know, staff position on your, uh, on your, in your coaching staff as a head, as a head coach. It's a fair so question. it's something that kind of the longer we get away from it, the more I wonder, but let's talk about the offensive coordinator search. As of this taping, there have been five candidates apparently interviewed yeah. that we know of uh, reportedly uh, Shane Waldron, and Greg Olson from the Seahawks. Shane Waldron was the offensive coordinator. Uh, Greg Olson, the quarterback's coach. Uh, Liam Cohen from the University of Kentucky with a background also with the Rams. Um, and then Clint, the, Kubiak? Uh, Clint Kubiak from the 49ers is the fourth. And the fifth Greg uh, Roman. is Greg Roman. That's right. Although Greg Roman was an odd inclusion, Dan, I think. Uh, and I think he has experience in a lot of different areas, but when you hear Greg Roman, you think, okay, Lamar Jackson, Colin Kaepernick, thus Justin Fields. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor in between those two guys as, as quarterbacks he's worked with. Greg Roman's accomplished a lot in this league. A lot of it has been based on the running game and his unique designs and his ability to get uh, rushing attacks that, that are unlocked in the two cases that you mentioned with Kaepernick and Lamar Jackson by highly dynamic athletes that are able to get out on the edge and roll with it. That said, I had a, a, a source very familiar with Roman's work in, in Baltimore say that, you know, the, the offense becomes a graveyard for receivers. Not long after I got that text on Monday night, Des Bryant took that very thought to social media and put it out there that receivers aren't going to want to play there if Greg Roman is there. And so it is a, a, a there's a track record with Greg Roman of being very limited in the passing game. Uh, and so when you're trying to kind of take this next step in the evolution of 21st century football, you would think that you would want to have someone that's going to take a quarterback, whoever you choose to be your quarterback and, and, and launch them to the next level in with your passing offense and not just your offense in general. Um, there's a sentiment, you know, in, in Greg Roman's previous stops that, that there is a point where it becomes a little bit stale. Uh, that his offense is good for two or three years, and then it gets stale. And the folks in Baltimore couldn't have driven him out of town any sooner than they did. And he took this last year away from football. So um, these are things to consider as we're having conversations on those names. There, Look, like whoever the Bears hire, again, they're going to have to explain to us why they hired that person. And then along with that, what philosophically led them down the path of all the other interviews that they did. And back on Wednesday, when Ryan Poles did meet the media, he was asked about how this time around will compare to the last time around. Putting together uh, a coaching staff, yeah. Putting together a coaching staff uh, when he did so two years ago. And this is what Ryan Poles had to say. We're going to work really closely. Um, you know, I think when you first jump into this, uh, it's the speed is really it's up to speed, and, and there's a lot of coaches on flights all over the place. So, uh, and I was just we were both getting in the door. So, you know, I think we'll work hand in hand on this and, and have some really good conversations um, so that we we make the best hire possible. So that's in reference to how he will be working with Matt Eberflus to put together this list and pick the right coordinator. Dan, it stood out to me that of the guys that we mentioned so far that we know, there's no obvious links to Matt Eberflus, which I think does kind of raise the question about 
is he putting together this list or is this are, is this a list of guys he's interviewing at his general manager's behest? I mean, it seems like they're working closely. They are, uh, as you might say, collaborating on this decision and trying to find their way to a decision that works best for the Chicago Bears. I was a little bothered by that answer a day after that press conference last week, just because it was almost an admission that, yeah, you know, two years ago, we were both kind of new to our roles as general manager and head coach, and we kind of rushed to get a staff together. And in retrospect, it wasn't the best staff. And and so now we're going to take a, a second swing at this. And it's like, all right, well, you know, those two seasons we just lost with a, uh, you know, a coaching staff that now has had 10 members of it no longer part of the Chicago Bears is it's it's valuable time that was squandered because you were a little bit rushed in 2022 trying to piece things together I don't know what you thought of that when you and I think it it. also reflected what what happened after that kind of you could have predicted if if you want to go back in hindsight is 2020 but there was never maybe a, a cohesive plan to build a scheme around the 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 skills of the of Justin Fields and and I think maybe it did seem I don't want to say haphazard but certainly uh, pay as you go if you will um, make it up as you go along and maybe that was reflected the the haphazard way with which they approached the search because everybody was in a bit of a hurry. Right. And you remember how wide the net was cast back then and how many different general managers and head coaches the Bears interviewed over Zoom. And then they had a handful of them in to, to, to come in the building. And then Ryan sat down with three, you know, Dan Quinn and Matt Eberflus and Jim Caldwell. Um, look, like the further we get away from this, we're going to get a lot more sort of nuggets and details of the last couple of years. Um, I will say this, when you reflect two years ago, and this will lead us into our next audio clip, Matt Eberflus was very convinced that the hire he was making of Luke Getze to run uh, his offense was the smart thing to do, that it was a a coordinator um, candidate from an offense that he as a defensive coordinator had consistent difficulty stopping. And he wanted somebody that ran that Mike Shanahan style, uh, Kyle Shanahan style offense. And and so um, Patrick Finley of the Sun-Times asked Matt, he said, when you, when you introduced Luke Getze two years ago, you said this was a hire that we made with great confidence because this was the system that we had uh, difficulty defending. How will that impact your search the second time around for an offensive coordinator? Here was some of that exchange. I think we have an open mind. You know, you have an open mind and listen to these candidates and, and do a really good job of uh, pulling that information and gathering it and then also making good decisions to who we hire. Um, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And uh, I'm excited about getting that going. What do you want to be good at offensively? It depends on who's available for the skill, right? You know, what, you know who's available for that game. I think you got to do multiple that way. Um, and who are you playing? You know, is the team really good at stopping the run? And you're going to have to find other ways to uh, move the ball down the field. And I think that's what we're talking about, the multiplicity uh, of being able to, to uh, bend and adjust um, not only, you know, before the game, but also in game. That's an interesting answer. I, I didn't like that answer that much, to be honest with you. I, I felt like if you're going at, you, you do want to be able to adapt and adjust. That that almost goes without saying. But I also think that if you're asked what you want to be good at offensively, you know, it's, it's like there's a clear mission statement, I think, within every head coach that you want to be able to establish an identity. What is that identity you're trying to establish? And uh, I don't know that that answer should change week to week. Multiplicity. That was a Michael Keaton movie back in the yeah, 90s, it was. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah so it so the, get, get your movie posters ready for whoever they they hire, and you can Photoshop that face on Shane Waldron in Multiplicity. Um, they they so have to Mr. figure Mom. That was going way back. <laughs> you know, it, like you have to figure out a way to unlock, obviously, the skill of your players, but you also have to have somebody that comes in with dynamic skin in designing an offense and then obviously being um, 
capable of calling plays in a way that that, that makes sense and puts your players in in consistent uh, position to succeed. And and so like Shane Waldron comes from the same family of of offense here you know what i mean and so it's it, you basically if you do that you're saying we just think that he's probably going to be a better teacher and a better play caller than luke was but my sentiment and this goes back a couple months as as we've had this insane conversation in chicago about luke gets shortcomings and as i joked with you before the uh, podcast I'm, I'm surprised he's not in prison yet for how how uh, badly he was skewered in certain pockets of of chicago for his work here but but the sense was that luke wanted to run the same style of offense that matt fleur is running for jordan love in in green bay it didn't fit with Justin, Justin doesn't have a quick enough trigger and that's been documented now through the NFL seasons. It just, it's not the greatest marriage and he's not as good at taking some of the under center play action stuff and turning around and quickly seeing something and letting it fly into a window that may or may not be open at the time that he sees it. And so all of a sudden you've got a misfit between your quarterback and the coordinator and the Bears, but bless you. Uh, and the Bears spent, you know, chunks of two seasons trying to address the misfit between offense and quarterback. Something you can't afford in this next hiring cycle as you land on a new coordinator. And with that, David, you're going to talk to the five names that we just mentioned and presumably a handful of others before you make a hire. They're going to want to know, like, what kind of quarterback are you expecting me to work with? Because I need to know what I'm best at and how that marries up with that quarterback. Because clearly that was a misstep made in the hiring process of Luke Getze and, and having an offense that didn't fit the, the, the quarterback and then having to ask the coordinator to you know, recreate things within an offense that he might now not be comfortable with, with designing or calling in a way that best fits the quarterback. And you just spend two years kind of driving past each other in, in this, this weird, um, you know, fire drill situation that doesn't quite work. I can't imagine somebody who has an opportunity to take uh, an NFL offensive coordinated position. And I can't imagine that person, if they're that qualified, not asking that question or not knowing the answer to it, before taking the job, I, I don't think, even though the rhetoric will probably be otherwise, that if you ha- if you hire any one of the five guys that we mentioned, that they're not going to have an idea who the quarterback is or where the Bears are leaning. Which is and why not I thought only, that- not only an idea, but a say, right? Like you, you're going to want to say in those conversations, you don't want to waste the next three months of your life letting other people right. decide who they're going to give you to to you know, hey, here's your career, uh, we're giving you this guy, and. <laughs> And this hire is the offensive coordinator, but really it's a, it's assistant head coach slash offense because Matt Eberflus will be calling signals, presumably, for the defense. And that's why I think that, yeah, if you want say or you want an indication, you don't want to be taking the job because you think they're leaning toward Caleb Williams and find out uh, later that, oh, boy, you know, we're going to go back to Justin Fields. Oops, I just signed my contract. I, I think that you want to have – the Bears are almost going to have to be uh, signaling a direction, at least privately, to these these candidates or be willing to go in that direction before they make it public or before they get too far down the road, which is what makes me, you know, very – I think we're going to continue to qualify everything we say about Caleb Williams, but – I, I I think that they have to hire – when they hire somebody, they're going to know what they want to do, and they're going to know what direction they think they're headed. Yeah, or they're at least open-minded enough to, to, to know that coordinator A can be 
in the front seat of the decision-making process during the pre-draft process to say, look, like for what we want to build here collectively, this is the vision. And we have to find a quarterback that matches that vision and go down that route. The other thing to, to consider here is if you are Ryan Poles and you have any questions and clearly he's never going to vocalize these publicly and he may not even vocalize them privately. If you have any questions about Matt Eberflus's long-term prospects as a head coach, an ideal situation here would be to hire an offensive coordinator who could potentially lift your offense to new levels and then jump into a head coaching role if needed, right? Like if you needed to, to pivot in a new direction, pretty uncomfortable um, type of thing to try to hire with the incumbent coach in place, but certainly something you shouldn't discount if you were making those decisions at Hallis Hall uh, so that Chicago's biggest fear, which we addressed on our our last podcast that create avoids that, you know, and, and if that fall does occur, that you've got something to break it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Um, I don't know. That wouldn't be the, the driving force of my hiring process, but it would certainly would be something that I would ask myself when I put my head on the pillow every night as we try to work through the dynamics of all these uh, different decisions. So the five offensive coordinators into the search in terms of reported interviews, we'll figure out if they're more likely to be this week. What's interesting, too, is that you don't ever hear about defensive coordinator candidates being interviewed, even though that's a job that uh, looks good on a resume, uh, even though it would be maybe in name only because of Matt Eberflus's role in calling the signals. It still is an important role. And I just wonder when that process gets started, or they have to take care of one before they take care of the other. Are they able to simultaneously search for uh, coaches, uh, it just depends on, on the way they want to approach it. Well, the, the radio silence on the defensive position would lead you to believe that there would be a heavy consideration for an in-house candidate because, once again, like on the offensive side, you're allowing your new coordinator to come in and, and choose a new quarterback's coach, a new receiver's coach, a new running back's coach. They're going to inherit the offensive line and the tight end's coach. On defense, you got your entire staff back and you've got your play-calling defensive-minded head coach there. So that job isn't going to have a, a, a grand appeal to a lot of um, 
defensive coordinator prospects, it would be easier probably to promote from within if you think think you can do that smoothly and then hire a, an assistant behind that to to fill out the staff. We'll see if that's the direction it goes, but certainly that that that's something that is um, okay to kind of glean from, from the way this process has gone so far and, and figure out which direction they're going to take it. There are two pretty qualified defensive coordinator candidates that might be available if they were interested in the job, but I don't know if Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick would be. I don't <laughs> think that they might be interested, although I would probably add them to uh, to my shortlist if I were Matt Eberflus. Okay, so the search continues. Caleb Williams declares for the draft. A lot of homework and legwork to be done. Anything else, Dan, before we get out of here for this episode of Take the North? Just wanted to give you a uh, very public thank you for uh, getting to uh, see you at Cubs convention at the Sheridan over the weekend. I had my 10-year-old son with me, and you gave us the heads up. We came to see you before your baseball show at uh, 9 a.m. on on Saturday morning, and you told us, hey, Dansby Swanson is going to be coming by here in about a half an hour. You may want to stick close. My son was wearing his Dansby Swanson jersey at the time, and, and that was a nice uh, insider tip that we got that, that helped make a young man's weekend. So Ryan is very thankful for that, and I wanted to, to thank oh, you in front, in front of our, our very adoring audience for that. That's great. <laughs> Wasn't Dansby Swanson great with all the kids? I mean, that guy took time. The, the line was long, as you, as you said, and he, uh, he was great on the air. He, he's a terrific ambassador for the Cubs, and um, – I'm glad he had all the time because he took a lot of time after the interview signing autographs and posing for pictures. So two questions here before we get out of here. Number one, there was an energy inside that inside that convention center that I'm sure you felt where there, there are people that are feeling the type of energy that I think Bears fans want to feel like, okay, we're moving in the right direction. The pieces are coming together and it, it, it's time to start dreaming again instead of just hoping um, or, or, or dreaming realistically, I guess is a better way to put it. And then the other part of this is that Having experienced the Bears 100 stuff in 2019 at Rosemont, I just wonder why that isn't more of a regular occurrence for the franchise that we're talking about here on this podcast, because it is such an energized atmosphere when you're able to create some of these panels and some of the energy and create off the new signings and the old favorites and everything else that's there. I, I, I'm just curious in your time I, in, in Chicago, what you think of that dynamic that goes I, on. I think that's a great point. First of all, when you're in the Cubs convention this time around and we had Daisy Swanson, we had Jed Hoyer, we had Crane Kenny. We did a two-hour show, and, and it was there for Friday. I was there Friday for the uh, uh, introductions and, and all the stuff. And there's a vibe. And I think it was energized by the beginning of this offseason to, to link the two teams, the uh, two most popular teams in Chicago, the Cubs and the Bears. The Cubs fired David Ross <laughs> after giving him a public show of confidence at the end of a tough season. And – they hired Craig Council. That's difficult. That's cutthroat. That's professional sports. And that's a lot of the reason for the energy that you felt at the Cub convention. There's a feeling that this, this franchise has put the standard up here. And they're going to do anything they can to meet it. So I definitely think that was partly what you felt over the weekend. There's uh, an urgency attached to poaching uh, a working, um, an available manager and firing the one that you have. The guy was popular. It's tough to be in charge, but Jed Hoyer's not afraid to make the tough decisions. The Cubs, if you remember, did that once before. Firing Rick Renteria, their sitting manager, yeah. going out and getting Joe Madden. How'd that work out? So that's the first thing. 
and the energy you felt is real. And and I, I definitely am glad Ryan got his picture with, with Danny Swan. <laughs> Danny Swan is the nicest guy in the Cubs. And I love this cowboy hat on Friday. Yeah. The, the other thing is with fan conventions, you're right about that. And I wonder if the Bears looked at what what happened. The Hawks used to do this before. The Blackhawks used to do this every summer when things were going well in uh, for that franchise. And the Cubs have done it every year. It goes back to John McDonough. This was his brainchild back in the 80s. And I think the Bears have done this a couple times. They had the celebrations you mentioned in, in 2019. Um, they had a fan convention, I think, at the various times, but they haven't done it consistently. They should bring it back because there's no better way to celebrate what you're trying to do and to connect with fans because it's hard to leave an event like this without feeling positive about the team you support and spend a lot of your money, your hard-earned money, uh, going to games and, and just supporting the team. Well, one thing we can agree on, we may not always agree with Bears fans, but we can agree that the passion of Bears fans is unrivaled. And, no and, and events like that bring it out. And, I, I, you know, even if it wasn't annually, you could do it, you know, twice a decade or something in a way that, that brings everyone together. It just it just feels like an opportunity that's there. 2019, again, is one of the one of the coolest weekends of, of my time at the Chicago Tribune is covering all of that. It was a really, really cool event. And then being back there, seeing the Cubs uh, put on a similar annual event uh, this weekend, it just raise that question in the back of my head it's hard to walk out of an event like that and be as cynical as when you walked in <laughs> and when you're the bears you can't you can't ignore that reality because what you have done here is you've you've made cynicism the conditioned response so when they hit whether it's offensive coordinator uh search or whether it's retaining your head coach or whether it's you know pivoting to to draft the quarterback there's always going to be this this cynicism that's been appropriate and skepticism that they've earned and the way to kind of attack that is to create happy moments. Now, if you're not going to be winning as uh, much as you're, you want to be winning, and they certainly haven't, then you, you, you should be doing things like this to try to reach out to your community, your fan community who support you through thick and thin and, and passionate about it and, and try to create these memories and moments as best you can until the winning begins or resumes. Yeah, whether it's a convention and or eventually – uh, topic for another podcast is some sort of Bears museum that you can put at a new stadium somewhere. Uh, there's there's potential to continue uh, to grow in this, but that's a that's a totally different episode, and I'll let you get out of here. I like that. I like that. Okay, so that's a good idea. We'll tack that next time. We also will keep you up to date on the coaching search as it develops and, and any new developments when it comes to finding an offensive coordinator. So for Adam Sadzinski, our producer Dan Wiederer from the Chicago Tribune, I'm David Haw. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. Great talk. See you out there.